0: Okay, So we are starting a new series today. How many of you guys were here last week with Ashley and Carly Teradez? Let's see hands. That was a good group of people here last week. And uh, Ashley and Carly are such a blessing. She uh, did not really know what we had been talking about here over the last month. You know, we had our Hope Future Conference, which was so awesome. Uh, it, it was so great. And then the series that we went into right after Hope Future, the Wait series, really was all based on the idea of wrapping our heart around the hope of in, that we find in Jesus. And then she comes last week and just brings this message on positive expectation. You could call it hope, but I love that she pointed out that our expectations could be in a negative place. And because of who we are in the spirit, more than likely, we are going to get exactly what we are expecting in life. So, where are you at right now? Take some inventory. Are you in a season where, where maybe you're 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 in you're facing depression and and, and falling to it more than more often than not? Maybe things aren't quite uh, going your way, and you're not responding the way. You're meant to respond. A lot of times it's because our expectation levels are way too low, but we have a savior and we can get our hopes up because he will not let us down. That is so powerful. I could, you all know me, I could talk about hope all day. It's not just uh, something magic. You know, hope is actually what our faith uses to give it direction, right? It's like, uh, it, hope is kind of like a target. And, and if you're like, a, if, you, if you shoot Or if you're like a bow hunter or something, you line up and and, and you aim for that target and you hit it. Well, if that arrow is your faith, hope is the target. Hope says, look, come this way. And your faith has somewhere to go. It's powerful, powerful hope when you call it what what the word calls it. Expectation. It's hope and, and it's powerful. It's a spiritual principle. So if that sounds like something you'd like to hear and you weren't here last week, go stream it. Go stream the podcast. Watch the service. Because it will it'll really encourage you. I believe it. Uh, I know it will. It encouraged, it encouraged me. It was awesome. Today we're starting this series called Promised Land. It's probably a phrase every believer is very familiar with. You know, in the Old Testament, the entire book of Exodus is about Moses leading the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and into a land that God promised them, right? A land that he'd promised them years and years before, 400 plus years before. It was where Abraham lived. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where the ground produced fruit. They were slaves in Egypt, and Moses rose up, led them out, and led them to the promised land. You've probably seen at least a couple different movies about it, right? You've probably seen the old one uh, that was groundbreaking when they made it, and now it looks pretty funny, I guess, some of those graphics. Uh, The Prince of Egypt. I know my little sister grew up on The Prince of Egypt. That was a great movie. We've probably all seen these movies, so we all have a picture probably in our mind of what this promised land looks like. What I want to focus on in this series, and I really actually this morning in my office spending some time I was in my office a little bit longer than usual today because last night at 11, for some reason, our power went out, and it's still not back on. I don't think Duke Power cares at all. I checked the outage, and it's 230 houses in Gastonia, and ours is one of them. I don't think they care at all about those 230 homes. So we got ready in the dark. We, we slept without our fan. Lisa slept fine, but I really rely on that fan. <laughs> I woke up 130 times. I don't know. I mean, that fan, I kept waking up wishing that I dreamed the power was on. I woke up. I was very disappointed. I realized I love electricity. Do you love electricity? I love electricity. If that gets the biggest amen today, then I'm, that is not good. All right. Make sure if you just amen that, you better give a better amen at some point today. Okay. I was in my office a little bit longer than normal because needed to make some coffee and just chill out right and and as i was putting kind of just reading through my notes for today i really heard the lord just kind of tell me to slow down and take my time with this so this is some uh, encouragement you don't always hear me say but if today you really something really you relate to something i'm saying this is going to build on each other so make a point to, to be here the next couple weeks so you can hear this entire message I think it's probably going to take me two or three weeks to share just my notes I had for today. And and here's why I think three weeks. As I'm, I'm reading through the book of Exodus again, I had this thought, and the Lord started showing me this. The children of Israel, this generation of people, and I'll give you a little bit of backstory, but they lived in three different places. They were born into slavery in Egypt, and then they exited Egypt, and they lived in the wilderness for 40 years And that entire generation was invited and should have entered the promised land. However, only two of them entered the promised land. Even Moses didn't get to enter the promised land. But that generation of people lived in three different places slaves in Egypt the wilderness, and the promised land. And as I was reading that, I just felt the Lord tell me, believers to this day are still living in one of those three places. Believers specifically. We have believers that still live a life of slavery in a lot of ways. We have believers that live in the wilderness. And one of the things I'm going to point out is that a lot of believers think the wilderness is the promised land, but it's not. And then we have people that step into a place called the promised land and that is hopefully our goal and if it wasn't your goal i believe after this message after this series it's going to give you something to shoot for it's going to give you some direction you know the bible says people perish for lack of vision right Uh, we need to have vision in our life we need to have some place we're going right so if you've just thought to yourself recently i don't feel like i have any direction This is going to be for you because I want to show you a place that we're called to go as believers where we no longer live as slaves and think the way this world thinks and acts the way this world acts. That's that's Egypt, not paycheck to paycheck in the wilderness. The way the people survived in the wilderness is miracle after miracle and miracles are awesome. But that's the wilderness, not that miracles don't happen in the promised land. They do. But in the wilderness, survival was completely reliant on if manna falls out of heaven onto the ground in the morning, we won't starve. That is the wilderness. Now, the goodness of God is so good, the manna always fell. But that's the wilderness. And so many times in our lives, we see the miraculous, right? We see God take care of us. He gets us out of of a season of lack and we we make it through somehow and we think, thank you, Lord, I'm living in the promised land. Well, you're living in promise because he does promise to get us through. But there's a place called the promised land where we don't have to survive based on if the miraculous happens or not. Like it's pretty powerful. So a little backstory, if you're not familiar, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, assume everybody knows this story, but the children of Israel, God's chosen people, Joseph ends up, it starts with Joseph. Well, it starts earlier than that, but this... What I'm telling you starts with Joseph. He ends up in Egypt because he was sold as a slave. But everything he did prospered. You know, he prospered when he was a prisoner. He ended up running the whole prison. He prospered in Potiphar's house, even though he was he ran the whole household. And then when he got exalted uh, to to sit by Pharaoh's side, he ended up having more power than anybody else besides Pharaoh in that entire land. Well, Joseph, his him and his brothers, they all had. Children and the people of Israel began to prosper and reproduce in Egypt. And a Pharaoh, the Bible says, a king that did not know Joseph rose to power. Joseph was long gone. His brothers were long gone. And they said, these people that live in our country are becoming too prosperous. We need to do something that stops them from growing anymore, so they made them slaves. They turned them into the workforce, right? You work, you eat. You work, we take care of it. You don't work, and you pay the price. That's how they became slaves in Egypt. They lived that way for 400 years until Moses, a deliverer, was born. And after a whole series of events, you know that story, he led them out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They then lived in the desert for 40 years. Do you know if Modern, you know, people are are correct. That's about a 12-day journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. It should have taken them about 12 days. But because of their unbelief, because of their lack of obedience, they lived in that desert for 40 years before they stepped into the Promised Land. It's a whole other message, but they could have gone right in. They could have gone right in. 40 years later, there's this great moment where one of the people... uh, One of the people there said to them, 40 years later, she said, when y'all got to our doorstep 40 years ago, we were terrified. We knew that God had given you this land. Yet the children of Israel, when they got there, they said, the people are giants. They see us as grasshoppers. Remember we talked about imagination two weeks ago? They used their imaginations. They didn't say, we see you as grasshoppers. They used their imagination for bad expectation they said those giants looked at us and they thought we were as small as grasshoppers realistically 40 years later we learned they looked at them and thought god has given them this place man they could have walked right in but it took them 40 years until they stepped into the promised land well there were major differences between life in egypt life in the wilderness and life in the promised land and honestly i don't think that I'm going to get past what life was like in Egypt today because there are a lot of believers that are believers. They are uh, people who, like us, believe in Jesus and are going to be in heaven one day, but that is where they stop. That really can just be a starting point for the believer. Once you say yes to Jesus, it unlocks every promise written in here, we become grafted into the family of Abraham. And it even says the promises God made to Abraham are ours. And salvation is the greatest gift. Don't get me wrong. Being in heaven with Jesus one day, we will never receive a greater gift. But we don't have to survive based on the promise that one day things will be good, and one day I'll be in a place of perfect peace, and one day I'll experience joy. No, salvation is step one, and it unlocks everything in here. And real we can start that right now. Eternity begins at salvation, not when we're all gone one day. So we need to stop stopping at the beginning, right? We get our ticket punched. That ticket takes us somewhere. Let's talk about where it takes us because a lot of believers get that ticket punched and stay right there. In Egypt, the children of Israel lived in a master-slave relationship. That's what they understood. That's what generations of these people were born into. And that's how they lived. And in a way, it's even how they viewed God. And that's how a lot of believers view God to this day. They don't get to know him. They don't understand his nature. And you hear this thing all the time. Well, if it's God's will, then I'll do this. Listen, a lot of people don't think they can understand how God thinks or who He is. But the Apostle Paul told us differently when he quoted the Old Testament. And he said, who can know the mind of God? Yet then he ended the quotes and he said, we can. Because we have the mind of Christ. If we are living our relationship with the Lord. And our understanding is He is the master and we are the slaves. That is the equivalent of their life in Egypt. I have a master I have a slave. So I I am his slave. So what does that mean? That means they thought like slaves. They acted like slaves. Everything we act upon starts in our mind. We live in a world today as believers that is not moving in the same direction as the kingdom of God. We live in a world and the principles in this world are not in line with the principles in the kingdom of God. And I'm not just talking even about right and wrong. We could talk about that all day because there's a lot of things that the world says are right that the word says is wrong. We could talk about that all day, but I'm even talking about the way we think about our neighbor, the way we think about our work, the way we think about raising our family. The world operates one way and the church should operate a different way. Yet, believers receive Jesus, and then so many stay in this slave mentality. They become a slave to their sin. They remain a slave to their addictions. But more, uh, more so, what I've seen is people remaining a slave to the way the world operates. As long as these generation, this children of, these children of Israel lived as slaves, they operated the way the Egyptians operated. And there's a lot of believers out there that operate the same way this world operates. And if you're thinking about your own life, listen, when the world says, be afraid, are you afraid? When the world says, bow down, bow the knee to this new idea or this new thing, do you bow down? That is being a slave to the world. That's living as someone freed in Jesus, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, but is choosing to remain a slave, choosing to remain in those chains. We are not slaves to this world. We are no longer slaves to fear. We're not slaves to our addictions. We can overcome. The first step, 2 weeks ago we talked about it, confront the issue. The first step is confront where you're at. Confront it and not don't be afraid to because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and he is the one that gives you the victory. God has made you more than a conqueror. So this master-slave relationship is the way a lot of believers live. But you can find freedom as you mature and leave Egypt going to the promised land. The next thing, the next point I have here is work. Work is something we all do, right? We're born, we need to work, right? Uh, There's a stark difference between work and then the work that Jesus did being complete We have no work to do when it comes to salvation, right? We did not earn salvation, right? None of our good deeds earned it. That is a gift Jesus gave us. So when I use the word work here, I'm not talking about working to remain in good standing with God. I'm talking about physical labor, the work we do as believers, maybe at our job. There is a stark difference between the way we work in Egypt, in the wilderness, and in the promised land In Egypt, the children of Israel worked nonstop and it was only to build someone else's kingdom. That's what they did in Egypt. I mean, a lot of people believe that the children of Israel were the workforce that built the pyramids, right? So they worked to build someone else's kingdom and that's no work that I wanna be a part of, right? Now, this doesn't mean like don't work at a company or don't work for your job, but when that work controls you, When that work is everything you do, and it's just to build up something that eventually one day will be gone, that is laboring in vain. That's laboring in vain, and that's not what we're called to do as believers. Man, as a believer, the work we're called to do is to bring heaven to earth, and we can do that in every part of our life. We can do that in our home. We can do that within our companies, whether we own them or work for somebody else. That is something we can do. However, there's a lot of people when a child of God remains in this Egypt mindset, majority of the work they're doing is to build someone else's kingdom. And it gets old fast. And it makes you tired. And, and before long, you start to get very, very anxious. You start to look at your life and you start to question things. And that's not bad. Right? Question where you're at. Bring the Lord into it. Say, how do I change this? How do I go from building someone else's kingdom to advancing your kingdom in every part of my life? And he will show you. I promise you he will show you. So you got this master-slave relationship. In Egypt you have uh, you you work but you work to build someone else's kingdom and then here's another aspect I think there's five things in each of these places or or maybe it's six that I have Uh, but the next one is what controls you the children of Israel were controlled by one thing their need they were controlled by their need I have to work because I need to eat Right, they won't feed me if I don't work. They won't give me food if I don't work. There's believers who are still to this day controlled by their need instead of being led by the Lord. We're going to get to all the good stuff here, right? This is this is the place we don't want to be, right? But these folks were controlled by need, and there's a lot of believers out there controlled by their need instead of just being led into their abundance. There's a big, big difference. They were controlled by need. Got to serve my company no matter what they say, or I won't get paid, right? We do. We have to work or we don't get paid. I'm just going to say this, though. There is a difference between being a slave to that mindset and then working the way the Lord has called you to work. Some people don't see a way out, but I'm telling you, we have a God that creates smooth places out of rough places. You've got to be led by him. I don't think there's anybody out there called to put 100, 150 hours into some company. every week. You got family that needs you. You got community that needs you. And if right now that's what you got going on, God's got a way, a different way. You got to ask him. You got to let him lead you into that. Some of, some of us need to take a bold step, right? We, we think that we don't have favor, but Bible says you have favor. And as a person with favor, you go to your boss, you have a conversation and it doesn't end the way it's ended with other people. Just believe and make decisions based on a child who has favor, not this master-slave relationship of, if I don't produce, my needs aren't met. That is a mindset from slavery. If I don't perform, my needs aren't met. I'm not talking about being lazy, but I'm talking about knowing and letting God lead you and how your time is spent survival. What is it worth even living if you're just living as a slave? Well, they had a promise. They had a promise of, 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 of life after death, and that sounded pretty good, and a lot of times we have believers just like the children of Israel. What gets them through the hard stuff? What gets them through those hard days? Nothing more than the idea of one day I'll be in heaven, and this will all be done, and God is saying, yes, you will, But for right now, I've called you to bring heaven to earth. Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And he wouldn't have told us that had he not meant that we can do it. We can do that. How are needs met? Speaking of needs in in Egypt, they were met by earning them through hard work through sacrifice, through whatever you want to call it, that is the only way needs are met. And if that is our mindset, if that's our mindset, that anything other than God is our source, that is that slavery mindset. Are we a slave to this economic system? Well, it shows Right. You can take inventory of your own life. Are you a slave of this world's economic system? Does it control you? Do you get freaked out every time you hear someone talk about recession? Do you get freaked out every time you hear somebody talk about money? If that's the case, you might be living with the mentality of a slave to this world system. We are a part of this world, but we are not of this world. And our economy in the kingdom of God is different from the economy of the world. We have an economy that's not based on currency that's paper money and coins or or bank accounts, right? Now, I believe that part Of our lives can prosper and we will see an abundance in that area, but we have to know that that is not our source. That's what I always say this about giving. When we give, it's powerful. We put seed in the ground, we get to see it produce fruit, it brings fruit back into our life. But every time we give, at least me, every time I give, I know I take a second and I just think to myself if I don't say it out loud, This money is not my source. This paycheck is not my source. Otherwise, it would make zero sense to just put money in a basket on a Sunday or give to a church. It would make zero sense, really, if I didn't believe or if I believed that was my source. Man, the children of Israel, as slaves in Egypt, they had a source. It was their master's. What is your source? I can tell you what your source is. What do you believe your source is? There's a lot of believers who are living as a part of the world's system, and that is what they see as their source. And they survive on the promise of life after this world will get better. Some, Some believers don't ever move past that slave. Mentality, starting with that slave master mentality, even with the Lord, I have to do only what He says, or or what, or or, I, or He's this powerful uh, slave master, and, and I'm just a little lowly servant. Man, no, Jesus invited us into relationship, and even said, "I no longer call you slaves, but friends." Amen. Man, there's a, a part of of our relationship with the Lord that, if it never moves past slavery, He's just sitting there and. His desire, his desire is for us to step into friendship with him. He can't force it, right? That's a two-way street. Have you ever tried to force somebody to be your friend? I mean, it doesn't work that well. You end up feeling awkward. and uh, I mean, like Will's doing the video and he's like, sports, I'm catching a football. Will actually loves sports, but uh, not, not so much football. Have you ever tried to like something for somebody else and you just hated it? Man, that's not what relationship with the Lord is like. You don't have to pretend to like things so that the master treats you well, right? There is a relationship called friendship that the Lord desires so much. And it is part of the relationship that we step into as we enter the promised land. But there's a place between Egypt and the promised land called the wilderness. They were there for 40 years. And this is this is the place I would say what I've seen in my life, I've seen a majority of believers get to this place called the wilderness and just stay there. Now the wilderness makes us think, uh, probably at least if you're like me, it makes you think of lack that word wilderness. We would use it if we're talking to each other, but we'd say, man, I'm in a wilderness right now. And that would be a negative thing, right? That's a negative connotation. Like we don't want to be there. It wasn't all negative in the wilderness. In fact, God took care of these children of Israel every day, every moment in the wilderness. I mean, if you've seen those movies, if you've read this story, He took care of everything they needed. He's just that good. They needed to part. They needed to cross the sea, and the waters parted. They were hungry, and manna—this this, this uh, food that didn't exist on earth—it was kind of like bread. It tasted like honey, is what the word says. It just appeared on the ground in the morning. And there's a whole lesson in this, right? They took what they needed for the day. And if they tried to save any, it got all wormy and nasty. But they didn't need to save it because there was just as much the next morning. They started complaining about the manna. They wanted quail. Well, the Lord sent quail. And they ate quail. Meat, right? That's what they wanted. They were thirsty. Water came from a rock. An army rose up against them. The Lord took care of it. They were taken care of in the wilderness. It's... Not all negative. And because of that, because we're seeing things taken care of, a lot of believers get to a place in their life a step past this initial, you are my master, I'm your slave, I think I'm a believer, but I still think like the world, I still act like the world. Like by the way, that, that's been happening since the very beginning. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, Romans 12:2: be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. He was writing to believers. And what he was saying there was he was referring to this this, 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 this uh, believer's life that still act like the world. He was saying if you don't renew your mind to the word, if you don't mature through the word, that's how you reach maturity. It's how you reach in this metaphor, the promised land is through the word. Then you will act and think. Just like this world. You know, I hear people calling people out all the time. Well, that person, man, they're not really who they say they are. They're not even a real Christian. They might be. There's a lot of Christians that act just like everybody else. We're called to go different, but we don't have a master up in heaven that's forcing us to do things, which is why some people stay right there. And thank you, thank you, Jesus. Man, they'll be all with us in heaven one day because God is that good. But there's a lot of folks who get. this place called the wilderness. It's like a next step in our relationship with God and they stay there because they're seeing provision. But really if you want to look at it this way, the children of Israel in the desert lived in poverty. They didn't have their own crops. They didn't have their own cattle. They were moving around all the time. They were nomadic for 40 years. They didn't have time to plant seeds and see them grow. They were completely reliant on God showing up And given them food in the morning, meat whenever they were complaining about meat, water from the rock. If the miracle didn't happen, they would have starved to death. If the miracle didn't happen, they would have gone thirsty. If the miracle didn't happen, they would have been ended right there. I think we've probably all been there. Have we all been there before where we're looking at our lives and we need a miracle and we get one? Listen, miracles are awesome. And miracles will still happen in the promised land. But here's the big, big difference. And I'm going to really expound on this next week. The wilderness life is completely based on, I have to have a miracle. The promised land is based on the truth and the principle of sowing and reaping. There are two very big differences. One the wilderness is sitting around and waiting and saying, Lord, you've got to provide. And then the other one, the promised land, is putting your hand to something. And the promise of God is that when you put your hand to something, you'll see it prosper. When you put seeds in the ground, they'll grow, not just like regular harvest, but there will be a supernatural abundance. We don't have to live miracle to miracle We can live in a place in whatever part of your life you can imagine from God's abundant supply. Does it just show up on your front porch? Well, in the promised land, not usually. It might. That'd be an exception because in the promised land, how does that show up? Seeds that you've planted grow and you receive a harvest. And there's seed time and there's harvest time. And Jesus actually told a parable of the sower and the seed seed. You probably know it, of the farmer and the seed, actually. And he said, if you understand this parable, you will understand everything I teach. Don't you think if Jesus is saying that, that should be something we all know? So here's the very quick version, because it'll prepare you to, to hear about the wilderness and the promised land, if you're not familiar with this. But Jesus, it's a very simple parable. He said, a farmer sowed seed. This is in the book of Matthew, where you can read it. He says, a farmer sowed seed. And he sowed it on, on soil, and some of it grew, yet the birds of the air came and stole it. And so it, didn't, it never had a chance to take root. Some grew a little bit, and the weeds, the thorns, choked it out, and it didn't get past like a level of thorns. And other seed grew and produced a harvest 30, 60, and some 100 fold. So the reason, he said, if you understand this parable, and that was a mega, mega paraphrase. But the reason he said, if you understand this, you'll understand everything I teach. It's because everything works from the word of God on as a seed planted in our heart. This is not just a book to read where we get instruction. Uh, I mean, we have that that, that phrase from back in the 90s, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? That's what Bible people, you know, people taught that that's what it stands for. That's... Very, it, it's, it's, There are some good instructions in here, but if that's how we view this, it's very religious. That means we're just like the Pharisees if that's as far as we go. No, the word is a seed. And when it's planted in our life and we don't allow the birds of the air to come steal it, we don't allow the thorns, the cares of this world to come steal it, then we will see this produce a harvest in our life. And as our life becomes more reliant on seed time and harvest time rather than the miraculous Man, that's called the promised land. So back to the wilderness, right? Back to the wilderness. uh, Believers that take the next step into relationship with the Father. But really, this would be like refusing to mature because that's what the promised land is about. As far as our relationship to the Lord, in Egypt, it's like a master-slave relationship. In this stage of a believer's journey, it's like, uh, this is the best way I can explain it, like a big God, little human, right? Right? Maybe we don't see God as the slave driver, the master that we have to do what he says or else, but we have this concept of big God, little me. Almost like, well, if I pray, does God even hear me, right? If if, if I have this little problem, is God even concerned with it? It's this idea that he's way up there, he's powerful, yet he doesn't want anything to do with me. That's actually what happened in the wilderness. The children of Israel were, were standing by the mountain, and God's ready to give them the Ten Commandments. And there's this thing you can miss if you just read over it quickly. He says to Moses, who had been interacting with God for years, personally, face to face, he says to Moses, invite the people to the foot of the mountain, set up a barrier, but as I speak to you, I want them to hear my voice. He was inviting them, even in the wilderness, to a level of relationship with him they had never had. But the people responded to Moses when they saw the the lightning and heard the thunder. They said, no, 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 we don't want to hear God speak. You go speak to him and tell us what he says. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God saying, come meet with me? And our response is, no, no, no. I'm just going to let Moses do that. You know, a lot of us stayed right there. The Lord is saying, come speak to me. And our response is, you know what? I'm just going to let my pastor talk to me on Sundays. The Lord is saying, come speak to me. Like, you know what? I'm just going to let the TV preacher speak to me. Come speak to me. I'm just going to pick up this book by my favorite author and read it. And God is inviting you into personal relationship, the promised land of friendship. Yet we want a human mediator for some reason. There are a lot of believers that stay right there. And God is saying, no, let's be friends. Let's be close. Amen. Yet we have this Big God, little human idea and not the idea that Jesus tried to show us walking around for 33 years on earth. Friendship. Get to know me. You can actually know his personality. You can know the thoughts of God. He tells us over and over in here. Literally, he says, these are my thoughts for you in Jeremiah 29, 11. That's the same. Then it was the same today to give you a hope and a future an expected end. Jesus shows us the way he thinks about us in every interaction he has with people that are walking around. A sign of the wilderness is working within your work. Maybe even there's a spiritual aspect to what you do in life. Striving in life to build, to establish however you keep being uprooted and having to start over. Does that sound familiar? I keep on having to start over, whether it's physical labor or even what you are uh, doing in your life spiritually with the Lord. It's like you keep on having to start over in the wilderness. The children of Israel, there was a temple that they built all the time. And then when they moved and they moved a whole lot, they had to tear it down and take it with them. They never became established in any one place in the wilderness. They were completely nomadic. There was a cloud that led them in the day, a fire that led them in the night. And that's another sign of being in the wilderness. You move when you get a sign. You know, you don't need signs. There's a lot of times in life you've probably prayed for signs. And God is saying, you don't need signs, just listen to me. He's speaking to you. Will he give you a sign? He'll give you a sign if you really want one. But that is not where we're called to go as believers. We don't need to live and move by signs. We live and move by every word of God. We walk by faith and not by sight. A sign is something we see. Somebody in this room prayed for a sign this morning, and you're like, I want to see something. And this is the sign, right? (laughs) This is your sign. Go to the word and get a word. Go to the word and get a word. Get in your prayer closet. Cut off the distractions and say, God, speak to me. He's speaking to you. He is speaking. It's like a a, a television signal. There's There's television signals in this room, but if we don't turn the TV on, we don't receive them. They're in the room right now. There's Wi-Fi internet in this room right now. But if you don't turn on your receiver, you don't experience the Wi-Fi internet signal. God is speaking. If you don't turn on your receiver, you won't hear it. And if you still don't hear something for some reason, he is speaking through this. And you got this at your disposal. It's on your phone. If it's not, put it on your phone. It's in in the book and you can put it in your heart. He is speaking. You don't have to wait for the cloud to move to move. However, as they moved through the desert, they never became established. They were always tossed back and forth between everything they heard. Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments. Remember what happened when he came down? They would built a golden cow, created a brand new religion, and started to worship this cow. Can you imagine being so deceived? You don't just buy into something everybody else is doing. You create something. You know full well that you created it Yet you believe in this lie that this is now my master. This is now what I worship. We do it all the time. We create all this stuff in our life and it becomes a Godful. We create uh, create, uh, our our, our schedule that's filled with nothing but, but work and work becomes our God. We create a schedule built around our hobbies. Our hobbies become our God. We build our schedules based on all these things and that becomes our God. It becomes an idol in our life. Yeah. And sometimes finding the next big thing becomes our guide. I mean, the word says, the word says in James 1, 8, that a double minded man is unstable in all his ways man how many times we hear some preacher say something and we buy in fully and then we hear somebody say the opposite and we buy in fully and maybe it's not even preachers maybe it's other stuff but we just buy into everything we hear i know people that are, are, are in the new multi level marketing scheme every month you have got to get rid of those pyramid schemes listen don't 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 do it if it's get rich quick it's not real just don't do it right if it, but but If you are always after the next big thing, that is a sign of being in the wilderness. And that is where we're going to stop today. I have so much more, and I'm really excited about what we're going to get to next week. Uh, I believe it's going to be, I really honestly believe it can be life changing because we are not called to live miracle to miracle. We're called to live in God's abundant supply. How do we see it? It is seed time. And it is harvest time. That is the word of God. Jesus said, if you understand seed time and harvest time, you will have a revelation on this entire thing. So we can get there. This isn't like a, a, a hold the carrot in front of the horse thing, chase it and you'll never get it. No, this is a showing you who you are, inviting you into a place called the promised land where you're no longer surviving off the, the mindset of one day it'll get better. One day I'll be in heaven. One day there'll be breakthrough. And, and the, man, that's how they survived in the desert. One day we'll be in the promised land. Do you know where that got them? Absolutely nowhere. There was only two of them that made it into the promised land because of that mindset. Man, this is going to be really good. Uh, it's going to be really good. So stick with us. Come on back next week. I really think that uh, you, you'll, you'll hear something and I hope you heard something today that can really help us to take some inventory. If, if you, as the band comes back up, I want you to think about this. If you heard something today about living as a slave or even in the wilderness and you thought that's how I live, that is what I do. Don't be discouraged. Remember, two weeks ago, David is in a cave and he did a few different things we can all apply to our life. He confronted his need. He said, there's enemies all around me. Have mercy on me, God. Don't be afraid to confront where you're at. Because over these next couple weeks, man, we are going to put our thoughts on the things of God. We're going to use our imagination to picture ourselves living in that promised land. We're going to then be moved to worship. We're going to declare our promises. And we will see ourselves. You will see movement in your life from one place to another. And it will be powerful. I believe with all my heart. This is an invitation to something more. This is an invitation into where God is calling you to go. Instead of being reliant on uh, the idea that if I am not provided for, I won't find provision. And we're gonna move forward knowing that my God supplies all my needs. I'm blessed according to his abundance. And we apply these principles from the word to our lives. And all of a sudden, where we're at looks a lot less like Egypt. It looks a lot less like the wilderness. And we are thriving in the promised land. I'm so excited to talk about that next week. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand together. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful for who you are. We're grateful that you have invited every single one of us to a life of abundance. You've invited every one of us to a life where we're not reliant on this world or anything else except for your supply. Thank you, Father, that today, where we, if any of us came in, Facing anxiety and fear, we're going to leave here today in peace and joy. That's your kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen. Hey, let's respond to the word right now with a few minutes of worship. And then after we worship, I'm going to invite our prayer ministers up. And as people leave, as you leave, you can come get agreement on something. But let's worship for a few moments.